0: The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. This is a challenge, okay, to find out who gets to preach this Sunday. I thought I was preaching this Sunday. I want to preach this Sunday. but you never preach in July. You preached last Sunday, but you never preach in July. You've never preached here in July either. What's the difference between a well-dressed man on a bicycle and a poorly dressed man on a unicycle? Attire. A mushroom walks into a bar. Ouch. The bartender says, hey, get out of here. We don't serve mushrooms here. Mushroom says, why not? I'm a fun guy. Not funny. Not funny. What do you call 23 millionaires around a TV watching the Stanley Cup Finals? I don't know. The Edmonton Oilers. Are you trying to make me laugh or cry? Oh, this is good for you. How many actors does it take to change a light bulb? 10, one to change the light bulb and nine to say it should be me up there. Because that's you right now saying it should be me up there. How many Canadians does it take to screw in a light bulb? One. Oh, nice. They're efficient, but not very funny. Oh, come on! I- <laughs> I- <laughs> Whoever wrote these is trying to get me fired. What about John Andy Candy? Jones. What about Martin Short? Oh, they're pretty funny. What about Mike Myers? He's in the Hall. What about Michael J. Fox? Strange Brew. What about Celine Dion? What did the grape say when it was stepped on? Nothing, it just let out a little wine. You're good, Pat. Lots of practice. What do you call- That's how I get things done at home. <laughs> how about, can we watch what I want to watch? Can I have chocolate instead of Whole30? Oh. oh. How's that going, cool, by the way? That hurts. I'm done. You're done? Yeah. Are you, are you eating chocolate now? No. Pizza? No. Cake? No. Cookies? No. Chips? No. So you're no. not really done. <clears throat> I came up with a new word yesterday. Good. Plagiarism. It's uh, clever. That's clever. I entered 10 puns in a pun contest, hoping one would win. No pun intended. That's pretty. Good. That's pretty good. That's pretty clever. What do you think of the delivery? Um, Canadian. Oh. <laughs> no, let me ask you another question. Okay, do you ever want to preach here? <laughs> I think I should laugh at every joke. <laughs> no I <laughs> think these are about to be really funny. <laughs> What does a thesaurus eat for breakfast? A synonym roll. (laughs) (laughs) This is a thesaurus. I win! You win. I get to preach in July! You are the champion. You are the champion. I win! I get, I, (laughs) I have been here at Mountain Park for, I believe, 11, no, I believe, I know, it's been 11 years, uh, 11 and a half years, and I don't think I have ever, uh, uh, did a talk on the July fourth weekend, so this is it this is I get to do July fourth weekend, and so I want to talk about independence. I want to talk about the whole independence thing. in fact, this is a significant word and concept for a number of people in our church for a number of families. I know there are some families in our church who just this week uh, let their young ones go off to college for the first time. And there are families here in our church who are letting their young ones go off to, to college here in the next few months and they're going off to explore their independence. This is a big deal. Huge transition in the lives of uh, families here in our church. I don't know about you, but have, have you ever looked at a 17 or 18 year old, uh, maybe your own kids or your friends' kids or your grandkids? And you you looked at them and you thought about uh, life and and you just thought uh, they don't have a chance. You just thought, they're totally not ready. I mean, here they are. They're about. We're pushing them out of the nest, and they don't even have wings yet. I mean, they are just, they are not ready. They're not going to handle this. How are they going to handle it when they're the ones who need to call the cell phone company and figure out the bill for their cell phone? I mean, it's like one of the top, most difficult things adults have to deal with, and our kids are not ready, not prepared for it. Yeah, and they're certainly not as sophisticated as you and I were when we were 17 or 18, Right, I mean, there's no comparison. There's no way that they are ready for life. Just, oh my goodness, I have two teenage boys at home and then I have a little girl who's just on the edge of teen years and it's fascinating to have a front row seat to watch the teenage years happen to watch the transition from childhood to adulthood, to just be a part of that journey and just watch it happen before your very eyes, this experiment of life, and you watch the the, the transformation from childhood to adulthood. And then there are are days where I think this is going great, I could sit down and have a conversation with uh, one of my kids, and we can be talking about American history and talking about the significance of of how the slavery has shifted shaped racial relations here in the United States, and, and, and I can think, this he's going to be okay. He's ready to engage with life and the difficulties of life and engaging with um, people who have different opinions and all that. It's going to be great. And then the next minute, literally the next minute, there'll be a fight at the supper table about who... Puts the milk back in the fridge, and one will say, "Well, you had it last." Oh, well, you touched it because you moved it in order to make room for your fork. Oh, yeah, well, you did, and they start, you know, fighting at each other. I'm thinking, they have no chance. The what, the 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 future doesn't have a hope, and so 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 it's just kind of this journey of watching: Are they going to be okay? Are they not going to be okay? This transition, this fascinating teenage transition is precarious for both parents and for teenagers, if that's your current journey or if you remember that journey. It is difficult, it is precarious to make that switch to fight for independence, to figure out what independence means, et cetera, because what's happening from the perspective of of you uh, teens looking into your independence and wanting to figure all that out, how can you tell the difference? Between uh, a helicopter parent who is who is smothering you with uh, with uh, smothering your independence, who is just kind of clamping down and not giving you room to breathe <clears throat> not giving you room to breathe, not giving you uh, ma- letting you make decisions how can you tell the difference between that and simply Uh, wise guidelines for you in terms of how to live life? How can you manage that? How can you balance those things out? As you are seeking your independence, how can you know what things you really need freedom from and what things you really should continue to attach yourself to as you grow, as you figure out adulthood? I think a similar question could be asked of all of us in terms of our spiritual journey. How can we know the difference between rules and regulations that are are holding us down that would fit in the category of religion, rules and regulations, so many of which are are made by humans and they are holding us down versus rules and regulations and guidelines that that are loving parameters given to us by our Father in heaven? How can we tell the difference between those two things in that wrestling for independence, for freedom? That's what we're gonna look at today. Hopefully, a portion of it is gonna make sense. Okay, would you bow your head with me and uh, we'll pray that it does make sense. God, we are so thankful that you are here, that that, we don't have to... We don't have to hope that you're going to be present with us, God, that we gather here in this place in, in your name, and, and you are here with us. So God, I, I pray once again that you would protect us from um, any words uh, that come out of my mouth that do not represent your character, but uh, God, that uh, here in this place, we would be able to hear from you, we'd be able to hear from your word. Come speak to us, God. We want to leave this place different than how we were when we came in. In your son's name we pray, Amen. Well, July Fourth is on Tuesday, and on that day, uh, the United States will celebrate her two hundred and forty-first birthday. And it was uh, it was that long ago, uh, of course, that this this teenage uh, gathering of colonies said to her parents, who were King George and Queen Charlotte, said to her parents, "We want our independence." We want to break free, we want freedom, we don't want to be under your authority anymore, we want our independence. And most of you know this story way more than I do, um, uh, as a Canadian, but uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a great story. It, you know that the, it's centered really around representation, that it was taxation without representation and basically this this teenage gathering of colonies were saying what uh, many teenagers say, it's not fair. It's not fair that we are taxed without representation. And it really wasn't fair. I mean, uh, uh, England was taking uh, taxes, so they were taking uh, money, they were taking resources, they were taking soldiers who were giving their lives, primarily at the time, in a a war against France and all that was happening there, and, and... the uh, people from the American colonies had no say in the matter, no say whatsoever in that whole journey, so they rebelled. And they said, we are gonna fight for our independence. This is has this is en- been enough. We are gonna uh, uh, be free from you as our parents. Now, you're familiar with the story. You may not be familiar with one particular part of the story that happened a year before the independence. In 1775, there was a there was a venture from the General uh, Benedict Arnold um, that you, of course you know who Benedict, Benedict Arnold is, you may not know this part of his story, that he led a group to go attack Canada. There have been uh, very few battles between Canada and the United States, a very friendly border, uh, but this was one of them and so they led a crew up there to, to, to take some British up in, uh, up in Canada and they got their butts kicked, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that may not be a celebrated story. Um, what I think happens, just in my mind, what I think happened is they crossed the border. See, you don't like that story, do you? You don't like that story, I know. But what I think happened is they crossed the border and then they were bombarded by thousands of snowballs. That's what I think. There are Canadians just go, ah, take off, hey, eh, and they were just throwing at them. And then they said, retreat, retreat, and they turned around. Okay, that's just my own little picture of what uh, happened there in that journey. Now, in 1776, we uh, of course know this is where the, the Declaration of Independence was, was written. The official separation from England, however, it happened on this day. It actually happened on July 2nd, uh, it did not happen on July 4th, the reason we celebrate July 4th is that the final wording for the declaration didn't happen, didn't finish up until two days after that, so that's the date that got stamped on the declaration that they signed, that we all are able to read and look at, that's why we celebrate Independence Day on July 4th. But, The actual separation happened on July 2nd, which is why John Adams on July 3rd, 1776, he wrote to his wife, Abigail, he wrote this. The second day of July, which is where the separation actually occurred, of 1776, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of de- deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time. Forward forevermore. Isn't it fascinating that on the day after it happened, he painted a picture that so accurately represents what we continue to do two hundred forty-one years later? I mean, it's just amazing. It's just an incredible thing. So here is what John Adams has to say about this: On July third, as as a celebration of the independence, the start of this incredible experiment, this incredible new nation, the United States of America. And and independence, freedom was and still is a very big part of the American story. Freedom is an essential part of the American story. In fact, right after the the declaration, I mean immediately following this incredible new constitution for this new nation, what what happened immediately after that was a need for clarity in terms of what these freedoms are going to look like, and so they wanted to know: Okay, now we, how are we going to avoid slipping into some of the same problems that other nations have slipped into elsewhere? How are we going to protect our freedoms? How are we going to make sure the government uh, uh, doesn't have too much power? How are we going to limit the power of the government and and make sure our freedoms are protected? So this led to specifics that came out in the Bill of Rights, the 10 uh, amendments to the Constitution that came out soon after the Constitution was um, was, uh, all set up. Now, most of us know some of the amendments. We know the first one. First one is all about freedom. It's about freedom, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press. The second amendment is the freedom or the right to bear arms. And then the third one or the fourth one, fifth one we know from watching TV shows, uh, cop shows, we know what the fifth amendment is. And, and so what about the sixth and the seventh? And so it, it may be that there's, 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 we know four of them. And then there's the other amendments. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments. You know, many of us can say, I can name about four of them and then there's the other six. Uh, And so so whether you know them or not, and some of you do know them, some of you are lawyers and historians or you're in eighth grade right now and you know them all or whatever. I know that some of you know them on such, but, but, but they're there. They are a foundational part of American history. Freedom is a very big deal in the United States. When people came over across the Atlantic Ocean, the first thing they saw was the Statue of Liberty. Liberty, of course, means freedom. We are the home of the brave, the land of the free. That's why many of us, uh, many people that I talk to, many people that I know, they love the movie Braveheart. How many of you would say Braveheart is in the top five of your all-time favorite movies? How many would say, okay, a few hands? And more of you, you just weren't uh, brave enough to raise your hands on that one. But but I know it's a great movie. Why? Because he says, they may take away our lives, but that'll never take our lives. Freedom, yeah, a little less enthusiasm than the real thing, but, but you're there, you're with me. They'll never take our freedom. There's just this, this tremendous energy around that. We love uh, reading that. We love being stirred up with that. It's such a, a core part of the American story. I read an article recently about what people from other nations think about the United States, and much of it would be what you would expect, and, and a lot of a lot of appreciation for the United States, a lot of envy, a lot of misunderstanding. Um, There was one uh, 25-year-old woman from Jerusalem who was asked the question, "When when you think of America, what comes to your mind? And her answer was, freedom. I mean, this, this is going to be, you know, this is, just, this is just one person's response, but I think it represents uh, a, a whole lot outside of the United States and within the United States. What do you think of when you think of the United States? Freedom. And she followed that up by saying, they are free to do whatever they want, whenever they want, which of course is not freedom, that's Anarchy. I mean, by definition, but, but, that, but freedom, I mean, that is so much a part of the American fabric is freedom, don't tell me what to think, don't tell me what to believe, don't tell me what I can't do, don't tell me what I have to do. Freedom, in whatever way we understand it, freedom is a very important part of the American story, which is great because it's also a very important part of the biblical story. That, that, the, that there is a, a woven uh, piece within Scripture on freedom, on the importance of freedom. In fact, Jesus declared his mission in Luke chapter 4, and that mission was about freedom. Luke chapter 4 is a time where Jesus transitions from being a, a young man, To his public ministry and in Luke chapter 4 Jesus is about 30 years old and he is a well-respected rabbi. He is a Jewish teacher, a Jewish leader and at this time in the story he's in Nazareth which is just west of the Sea of Galilee, uh, significantly north of Jerusalem and uh, he's in in a, a town called Nazareth And uh, the story goes that he walks into a little church. A couple years ago, I had incredible opportunity to visit the church that they believed was the very same church that Jesus walked in and and had this experience in Luke chapter 4. Uh, it, was a, it was a tiny little church, uh, about half the size of the stage uh, here, just a, just a small, a uh, little, little bit bigger than that, but uh, less than the size of the stage here. It's a tiny little church, and they walked in and they clarified for us that the walls were not original, so these would not have been the walls that, that Jesus would have experienced. These were new. The walls were new. Um, they're only 1,300 years old. So they're just fresh. Um, the floor, however, they said the stone that we walked on, the foundation of the church, this would have been the actual stone that, that Jesus would have walked on. So this was over 2,000 years old. And so we're walking in this, uh, in this itty-bitty church. And uh, this is that what they understand to be the place where Jesus had gathered. As a rabbi visiting this little church in Nazareth, he would have been invited to read from the uh, sacred scrolls, what we call the Old Testament. And so they had multiple scrolls of different writings from the Torah, etc. And Jesus chooses to read from Isaiah. He pulls out and he reads uh, from what we call Isaiah 61. They didn't have numbers at the time, but he opens, pulls out the scroll and starts reading from uh, near the end of the book of Isaiah uh, at we, what we call Isaiah 61. And, and we find him reading it in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Boom. Drop the scroll. <laughs> I mean, this, this, was, this was as boom of a moment as you could possibly imagine. Jesus stands up there and, he's, and he reads this and he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, this, what we have read, what you have understood, what you're waiting for this Messiah, I am he. He declares his purpose. He declares he is the Messiah and the religious gathered in that little church, they went crazy and they wanted to kill him because he was blasphemous, declaring that he was the Messiah. Jesus came to set the oppressed free. Jesus came to bring, to bring freedom to those who are oppressed, to bring freedom to the young woman who is trapped with loneliness, who is walking through life here in Phoenix and surrounded by tens, hundreds of people all the time and yet emotionally feels, feels bombarded by loneliness. He came to bring freedom to the young man who just feels so much pressure to succeed, to live up to expectations, pressure at home, pressure at work, and pressure that is just in the quietness of his of his evenings as he lays down in bed just is crushing him. He came to bring freedom to the woman who is trapped in an abusive relationship and doesn't know how to respond to that, how to turn, who's gonna trust her, who's gonna respond to her, how people are gonna handle this situation. He came to bring freedom to the man who is caught in a secret addiction, came to bring freedom to the person who is wrestling with an, an illness and the doctors can't figure it out and no one seems to know what's going on and it's just this mystery and it's so frustrating. Jesus came. He declares his mission to set the oppressed free. Those who are oppressed need freedom. Freedom. Those who are oppressed need freedom. Most of us here in this room, you're familiar with Luke 4. You're familiar with the mission of Jesus. That it really is a significant part of our mission as a church is that we are to bring freedom as we talk to one another, encourage one another, and challenge one another, and invite others who don't yet know the freedom that is in Christ. It is very good news for those who are oppressed, for those who feel like they are under a, ter- a terrible weight. It's, it's great news, but here's a part of freedom that we often forget. Not all of us are oppressed. That those who are oppressed need freedom, and that's a beautiful truth, but not all of us are oppressed. Just because we have some kind of boundary or limitation doesn't mean that we're oppressed. A child who's told by his parents that here in the summer of 2017 that he or she can't play video games all day, every day, is not oppressed. Are you with me? That if, that if Sarah is married and yet she is told by her friends or by her spiritual mentor or by her boss that she has to stop flirting with the cute new guy at work. She's not oppressed. Somebody's not taking away her freedom that she needs to have access to. That if Bob is told here on Fourth of July weekend, we can't afford the $6,000 mega awesome grill that you want to have in the backyard with the 80,000 BTUs. You, we can't get this. But he says, I know, but it's on sale. It's just like $300 off. We can't afford it. Bob is not oppressed if he can't have the grill. That... that that just because we have limits or restrictions or boundaries in life that we don't like, it doesn't mean that we're oppressed. That there's, there's another side to this, to this coin, that freedom is not what the 25-year-old from Jerusalem declared it to be, have whatever you want, whenever you want. That's not freedom. In fact, Jesus clearly balances this out in the Sermon on the Mount, this incredible section of teaching from Jesus. It starts in Matthew chapter five and at, at, at the beginning of that sermon, near the beginning, he starts off, he talks about the Beatitudes and then he talks about us being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And then in chapter five, verse 17, he, I think, adds an, a, an amendment to Luke four, to, to his purpose. He, he expounds on it. He says, do not think that I have come Okay, so here's a missional statement from Jesus. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That elsewhere in scripture we we get this sense of Jesus coming, you know, Paul talks about Jesus coming to end the law and so some wanna read Matthew chapter five verse 17 to mean Jesus came to fulfill the law so we no longer have to worry about it. We no longer have to do anything about it. Did Jesus fulfill the law perfectly and completely so we can do whatever we want? Thank you, Jesus, because Jesus declared in Luke chapter four, I've come to bring freedom. Well, then we get to experience freedom. That's not what Jesus means here in Matthew 5, 17. He came to fulfill the law, to fill it up to the full, to be an example for all of us in terms of how the law could possibly be fulfilled. To say this is, the, this is the ultimate picture of how the loving guidelines of the Father could be implemented into life. That he is, he is coming, Jesus has, has come to draw this incredible picture of, of what the fulfillment of the, of the law could be. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So here's the overall idea for this morning. I know it's taking me a while, but here's the overall idea here. <laughs> Stay with me. Those who are oppressed need freedom. Absolutely. And those who are limited need to understand submission. In other words, just because we are limited with something, just because there's something in our lives that we can't do, that we want to do, it doesn't mean that we're oppressed. It could mean that we're simply limited. I tell you, I worked really hard. I wanted this second line to be more appealing than what it is. Because I totally get it. I understand, nobody likes limits. Nobody likes the word limited. And nobody likes submission. I mean, that is... That is top five words we never want to hear in church. Submission. I get it. I get it. I put it up there not because it's likable, but because it's clear, (laughs) but because it's, it's accurate. We all like the first line. First line is a winner. Man, those who are oppressed need freedom. Yes, that's what we love. That's what we come to church for. That's what we fight for. Absolutely. But the second line, there's nothing sexy about that. There's just nothing appealing. You have to know, we're not going to put that on a big billboard for our new church, Mountain Park Community Church. If you want limits and, and, and be told about submission, come join us uh, in, uh, in October of 2017. It's not going to happen. It's just not, we don't write songs about that. We don't watch movies where the climax has a line that says, they may take away our lives, but they'll never take away our right to submit. They just don't do it. They just don't have those stories. We don't watch those movies. Those who are oppressed need freedom. And Jesus says in Luke chapter four, that's what I came here for. Those who have limits, who have Boundaries, maybe even ones we don't like, need at times to submit, to submit to those restrictions. That's what Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 is all about. We got to see scripture for all the different pieces that it is. Now, here's the trick. How, how do we tell the difference? How do we know the difference between something that is is oppressive, that Jesus wants to experience freedom from, and something that is just that is just frustrating us because it's limiting, because it it is holding us back in some way. Now here's, here's how I wanna kinda go after that question. How do we tell the difference? Instead of just being theoretical, I want you in the last few moments that we have here today, I want you to think about an area in your life where you want freedom. However you want to define freedom, whether that's rooted from American history or that's rooted uh, in, in your spiritual understanding, regardless of your spiritual background of who you believe Jesus is, whatever you understand freedom to be, I want you to think about an area in your life where you would love to experience freedom. Maybe it's financial freedom. Maybe it's freedom from bullying. You don't have to be 11 years old to be dealing with bullying. Maybe it has to do with a bad relationship and there's something going on there and you just need freedom from that because you know that's not going down the path that that God wants you to go down. Maybe it's simply a bad habit. Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's some other substance addiction. Maybe it's a behavioral addiction. Something having to do with the internet or having to do with social media and, and you're caught, you're trapped and you have not found a way out of that. Maybe it has to do with your job, either freedom from the job itself or from some part of the job or from some requirement for, from you that you think is questionable in that job. Maybe it's freedom from your past, freedom from guilt. Just think about some area of your life where you would like to experience freedom. And then I have two questions to just invite you to bounce around in your head. First of all, are you really stuck in that area of freedom in that area where you want freedom, are you truly stuck? In the examples that Jesus gave in Luke chapter four, as he quoted from Isaiah 61, the examples that Jesus gave are people who are absolutely stuck. He wants to give freedom for the poor, freedom for the prisoner, freedom for the blind. These are people in that culture who did not have an option. They did, it was not possible for the poor to become wealthy. It was just not an option. It was not not an option for the prisoner to get him or herself free. It was not an option for the blind to to just work hard enough in order to be able to see. These were people who were absolutely stuck. So as you think about the area of your life where you want freedom, are you truly stuck or is it simply an inconvenience? Is it freedom because I'd just rather not go this path? I want to go this path. I want freedom to do this path. There is another path, but you just don't like it. It could be that you have four options in front of you, and two of them are the ones you want, and those are the ones you don't feel you're allowed to take. And so you want freedom to be able to take these options, and you're told, no, you only get to choose between these guys based on your understanding of the laws of Scripture or what other people are telling you or whatever. So number one, are you truly stuck which is the, what Jesus talks about in his examples. And then number two is what's the source of your stuckness? W- where is it coming from? What's the source of your limitations, your boundaries, your restrictions? What, what is the source of the thing or the ideas or the thoughts that are holding you back? And does that source have your best interest in mind? Does that, do you believe that that source of whatever you think is holding you back, does it have your best interest in mind, England in the 18th century did not have the best interest of the American colonies in mind. Your parents probably had or have your best interest in mind. Most of, most of the parents here in this room, we have the best interest. We make mistakes, but we have the best interest in mind in terms of our kids most of the time. Your company may or may not have your best interest in mind. That's up to you to kind of think that through. But here's here's the reassuring part. God always has your best interest in mind. Way beyond your own understanding of yourself, your own understanding of your hopes and dreams for the future, God always has your best interest in mind. Always. So as you think about an area of your life where you would like freedom Bounce around these couple questions. Am I truly stuck or am I just inconvenienced and I want, I want the simpler way out? And then secondly, whatever has you stuck, does that thing or thought or person have your best interest in mind? The band's gonna come out and lead us in a song and just give us an opportunity to just kind of reflect on on an area of freedom that we want in our lives. And as we move into that time, I wanna pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for the incredible American story. I thank you for the many, um, 241 years ago, who fought for the freedom of this country and then many thousands since then who have continued on that legacy. God, that we get to sit here in this place and talk about you and worship you and learn about you because of the freedoms that have been provided for us by those who have gone before us and fought for our freedom. God, I think that flows beautifully out of your story and the freedom that you want for us. God, I pray that any here in this room, who are oppressed, any here who who truly are stuck and that, that whatever has them stuck does not have their best interest in mind, God, I pray that you would set the captives free, God, that you would supernaturally enter into that story, that that would be the top spiritual focus and journey of anyone here in this room who needs freedom here today. God, that you would meet them in that place, that we as a church would meet them in that place so that we can team up with you and your mission to set the oppressed free. And Father, I pray for any here in this room who want freedom, but perhaps are 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 discovering today that maybe there's some beauty in the limitations that you've given us. Maybe there's some beauty in saying that that this that this marriage, that, that I want freedom from this marriage, but, but instead, God, that is something that you wanna challenge us because that's, that's, that's a boundary that you've given us to stay in that covenant relationship. God, would you help us to fight for that, to, to, to perhaps give up on, on feeling like we're oppressed, but instead feeling like we're loved by you so much that you gave us boundaries and parameters. Help us to know the difference, God. Help us to connect with you deeply through our pursuit of freedom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.